Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Love of Life podcast. And today we are welcoming Rob Myers. He's the president of Door International. Uh, Door International's goal is bringing God's word and reproducing Christian fellowship to the deaf of the world. Rob, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse and Courtney. Absolutely. So I guess let's just start off with what is Door International? Can you kind of just give us, we'll ask questions along the way, but if you could just give us a, a an overview. Yeah. Um, so Door's vision is to see every deaf person um, transformed by the gospel. So transformed by knowing, um, following and serving God. And um, to understand what it is that we do, it's probably easiest to give an illustration um, kind of uh maybe maybe a hypothetical situation. So imagine, I know the two of you have kids, um, a number of the people listening or watching um, have children. So imagine one of those children is born deaf and imagine one of the, another child is born blind. And what I want you to think about is the differences in the experiences that those, that those two children are gonna have. Um, the, blind child, while not having visual access, has full access to the information, to language that's around them and to the information that's happening from their families. Um, the only thing that they have is visual impairment. But your deaf child, being born deaf, is automatically cut off from the language of your family. So they don't have access, they can't hear you speaking, they can't then copy you speaking. And then if they were to later enter school, they typically enter school with almost no vocabulary at all. So it's very normal, even here in the US, about 80% or so of parents of, of deaf children never learn to communicate with their deaf kids. So they don't learn sign language, They they and the kids don't figure out how to uh, communicate um, by voice because they can't hear anything. So most of those children in that situation end up delayed. And uh, when they enter school, whereas your blind child or a child born with any other disability would still have a vocabulary of about five to 10,000 words, your deaf child entering school maybe has 50 signs that you've made up to try to be able to communicate with them something like um, eat or sleep, some motion that you've created that actually isn't a sign, but is something that you can use in your household. And that child then ends up learning language for the first time from their peers. And in fact, many kids, I, I was talking to uh, one of our staff members uh, just the other day, and he was sharing with me that the first time that he learned that he had a name was in school when he was eight years old. Wow. He didn't know that he had a name before that wow. um, because his parents couldn't communicate with him. Um, and uh, and so one of the favorite activities that happened for deaf kids when you go to a deaf school and talk to them and sign with them, one of the first things they love to do with you is they love to share their their name. They'll share, and every deaf child, every deaf person is given what's called a sign name. It's a special sign that's connected to them. So they'll share that with you, and they want you to repeat it because they want 
to be recognized. And they, they want to see you recognize them as a person. And they also want to learn your sign name. So that whole situation, just that experience from age zero to eight or nine is unique to deaf kids. It doesn't happen in any other disability. So what when we talk about, so getting back to the question of deaf ministry, when we talk about deaf ministry, people think when they hear deafness, they think disability. And deafness is a disability, but it's the only disability that causes a child who's born with that disability to automatically be part of a totally different language group. They're not part of the language group of their family anymore because they don't have access to any of that language. They're in a different language group, and that's the sign language of their community, either of the country or of the region. So we we consider deaf communities at like minority language groups, not specifically like disability groups. And so, and that explains why. Up to this point, globally, there are about 70 million deaf people worldwide. Less than 2% of them have are believers, and most of them have no access to the gospel because they can't hear the gospel. We might think that they can read the gospel, they can read scripture, because readings, we think reading is a visual activity, but it's actually not a visual activity, it's a sound-based activity. When you read there's sound going on in your brain, you're connecting sounds to language that you've heard previously growing up. And so a lot of deaf people struggle um, even with uh, with access to reading. And so the only thing they have access to is sign language. And so the only resources that are out there in sign language are the only things that are going to give them access to the gospel. And it's only been within the past 40 years that any sort of resources in sign language, that there's been any direct outreach to deaf people as a people group. And so that is really what DOOR focuses on. What we what we focus on is trying to reach deaf communities the way that you would reach any other minority language group. You would send in missionaries who are close in culture. You would do Bible translation for them in their local language, and you would try to raise up local leaders to share the gospel and make disciples and plant churches. Door does that exact same thing. So we send in deaf um, missionaries from raised up from one country going into a country that's nearby. We do sign language Bible translation. Um, we work with local communities to translate scripture in their local sign languages. But our ultimate goal is to see indigenous local leaders raised up so that they can reach their own communities. One thing I learned from your website is there's not just one universal sign language. <laughs> can you tell us how many there are? Yeah, so the estimates are around 375 sign languages around the world. And um, they're not related to written or spoken languages the way that you would think they are. So as an example, American Sign Language, you might think is related, might, would be related to British Sign Language because we have English in common, but actually they're not. American Sign Language is, is more related to French Sign Language than it is. And if an American, a deaf American goes to England, they don't immediately have access to uh, what someone who's signing British Sign Language is actually signing. So they're very, very different. Wow. And, and every single one of them is going to require a, 
scripture in their heart language is going to require a leader that that knows the gospel that can share with them. How large is Door International? How how large is the team? So we have about 230 staff globally um, that are operating or connected to projects in about 34 countries, about 40 sign languages that we work in. Most of our work is in Africa and Asia, and that's connected to some of our history and the work that we've done. Um, We've specifically seen, um, we love the idea of instead of the West to the rest, sort of everywhere to everywhere. And we've um, even just in the past few years seen um, a number of missionaries, deaf missionaries from, for instance, Kenya, um, moving to Angola or Mozambique or South Sudan to serve deaf communities in those regions or deaf leaders from India that are moving to Nepal or Sri Lanka and uh, being able to serve those communities there. So only about um, 10% of our staff are um, U.S. folks and um, about 15% of our staff are hearing. So 85% of our staff are deaf. We really wanna see um, indigenous leadership happen. So um, a a vast majority of our staff wouldn't be able to listen to this podcast, but (laughs) those those who are, are listening to it now are getting to learn about this unique people group that that many people aren't aware of. Yeah. How do you find the deaf community? I mean, especially in countries that you guys don't have a presence in, if most deaf children are born into hearing families with both parents hearing, how do you locate them? Yeah. So in some countries, the um, deaf kids, deaf parents kind of know where the deaf schools are or, or are get information from the government about where deaf schools are. And so deaf schools make, a lot of deaf schools are residential. Kids live there um, because it's they kind of consider it in some ways their second family or even their first family because once they get language there, then they're sharing information. Now you can imagine, imagine your kids learning information not from the adults in their around them, but from other kids that, and that's what happens with deaf kids. They learn language from one another. And then once they get language, they start exchanging information. So right or wrong, um, that's uh, that's where they get information. But deaf schools make a great place for our deaf leaders to go and um, share the gospel and really see life transformation. We have one um, situation in, in Tanzania that happened recently. Um, a girl from a Muslim background family uh, where she grew up, uh, family was hearing, um, she didn't have access to what, to their worship, to their religion, what was going on. Um, she came to a deaf school and some of our deaf leaders were ministering there and she came to Christ at the deaf school and started growing um, just uh, incredibly had to go back to her family during one of the breaks and the family found out that she was a believer and kicked her out of the house. And the pastor that was visiting the deaf school invited her to uh, basically to move in with their family just to be able to take care of her. She became sick um, and had to go to the hospital. And the Muslim family's response was, serves you right, you're worshiping the wrong God. You're worshiping this Jesus. Um, God's punishing you by making you ill. And in Africa, when you go to the hospital, um, they don't 
feed you and take care of you in the same way that they do in some Western countries. So family has to come and take care of you if you're going to, if you're going to get better. And what happened is this, this deaf church came and, and ministered to this girl and she got better over the course of a number of weeks and was able to leave the hospital. Well, several weeks later, the father of the Muslim family, um, also became ill and he became ill with the same sickness that this daughter had and the fam he had to go in the hospital and what was the family's reaction well god's punishing you because you allowed your daughter to become uh, to believe in jesus well the deaf church found out that the father was in in the hospital and they started coming and ministering to him and bringing food and taking care of him and he got better and through the process of that, he actually came to Christ, hearing father not connected to the deaf community at all, but the deaf community was ministering to him. And then he went back and shared the gospel with his whole family. Wow. So deaf schools are an incredible place for deaf kids to have access to the gospel, but it doesn't just stay with deaf children. And it doesn't even just stay with the deaf community, but it spreads even into the hearing community and even into the families of these kids. Wow. Wow. And where are some of the deaf schools located in the United States? I saw that you guys are located technically in Michigan. You're in That's Florida. Right. That's right. So um, it used to be that every state in the U.S. had its own deaf school. Um, that's no longer the case. Uh, some um, there have been some decisions by legislators to mainstream deaf kids into hearing schools. Mm -hmm. Um that has varied success uh, in part because a lot of, some of these deaf kids don't get interpreters. They don't have, so they're just placed in a classroom with other hearing kids without any access to the information that's going on around them. Um, but there are still a number of deaf schools. Uh, there's a deaf school here in Florida um, that's not too far from here uh, near Jacksonville. There's also one um, near Detroit in in uh, in Michigan. So um, we have less access to um, go into some of the desk schools here in the U.S. Um, there's much more openness to that kind of thing in countries where they require some sort of religious instruction in all of the schools. But a lot of the teachers don't know how to teach deaf kids about Christ. And so it's a great opportunity for a deaf leader in the community who already knows how to share the gospel and disciple to come into the school and and do that with some of the kids there. How in the world did you get involved with this? <laughs> like, how is this something that you learned about? You're the president. I am You're the, the president. president. So I've, I've not always been the president. So yeah, this, say it this... started in 83. Is that correct? That's right. And I didn't join until 2014. So it's been um, it's had its roots uh, um, around for quite some time. Um, so I like to start this story by saying I'm going to start at a point that feels like it's even further away from what you would expect. I don't have deaf people in my family. Um, I don't have a background with deafness. And um, back in uh um, I actually didn't grow up in a Christian home either. So um, God had to do a lot to sort of weave me to the place where now I'm helping to lead a, um, a, a deaf ministry. Um, growing up in a non-Christian home, I actually first encountered the gospel and um, understood it and really um, 
embraced it with everything that I had in college. College was a really um, opportune time for me. Um, and I think a lot of people recognize that when their kids go out on their own, it's really where they have to figure out what do I really believe? What, um, what is life really about? And so God used that opportunity and really influential people in my life to, um, uh, to, to share about Jesus. And, um, in college, I was just, I was really hungry. I wanted to learn. I wanted to grow. And, um, even the youth group that we were involved in together was a huge part of that. Um, Tim and Kim Ward and, um, some of the other leaders who were there just really had an incredible impact. And so as I got toward graduation, I really wanted to, um, get to a place where I could pour into other college students the way that other people had poured into me. And so I, but I love teaching. So um, after a lot of prayer and wrestling with the Lord, my, um, my journey, my next step was to go to graduate school and um, get my PhD in math. So, um, which feels like it's heading the opposite direction <laughs> from deaf ministry. So there, there is a, there's a connection here. Um if I can ask, how, how far did you get in math, by the way? Because aren't you like one of like the top mathematicians in the world? I believe I heard from some source at some time well, in my past. Not, I would I wouldn't, I, so I wouldn't characterize myself that way, but I would say that not many people have their PhD in math. So if you look at, of the overall population, and then who has their PhD in math? I, I live in that circle, and so, um, <laughs> which is circle. which is a small circle. Yeah. Um, and I did. I went to the University of California, Berkeley, which is ah. kind of that level of school is also yeah. kind of a, a small group. So yeah. Um, now my advisor wanted me to be a research uh, a researcher or a research professor, but my heart was in teaching, and so graduating from there, I I. Um, I uh, entered a college in Northern Indiana, Bethel College, now Bethel University. Um, and my wife and I were just excited to mentor college students to, we had a couple of college students living in our home. We helped to lead the college ministry at the church that we were in. Um, and this was great. We thought, you know, Lord, you have us on this path for as long as we can see. And I was at a faculty retreat with the college when I met two deaf professors. And for me, outside of meeting one or two deaf people in the past, that was really my first close encounter with deaf people who um, American Sign Language was really their first language. And I didn't know how to communicate with them. I thought there was one sign language for the whole world. I had so many, I, I so many things that I just didn't understand about the deaf community. Um, but I had an interpreter come with me and I just said, how would I get to know the two of you? How would I build relationship with you? And they said, well, English isn't our first language. American Sign Language is, which I didn't understand. I thought sign language and written language were basically the same thing in different formats. And they said, you should just you should start to learn sign language if you want to communicate with us. And so my wife and I started taking classes and we started at ground zero. We had <laughs> nothing. This was around 2005 um, and uh, no fingerspelling. We didn't know any basic signs at all. And deaf, deaf uh, professors were really patient with us. <laughs> and um, one of the requirements of the class was to get out into the community and and um, just meet people and start using the language that you were learning. 
And that was the, the pivotal thing for us. When we started building relationships in the deaf community around us, we started to see that the people around us didn't have access to scripture. They didn't have a place to serve in the churches where they were going. Um, I think two stories that were really pivotal for my wife and I, one of them more for my wife was related to, she was asked to help lead a, um, a women's uh, Bible study on the topic of depression because depression is a really big issue in the deaf community. And so she picked a book that highlights a lot of sort of classic stories in scripture where main characters really deal with issues of depression. Um, and she brought these ladies together and she was describing in sign language, the story of Elijah and uh, how Elijah went up on the mountain, Mount Carmel and had this amazing sacrifice and then came down and was threatened by Jezebel and went out into the desert and just said, God, I want to give up. I want to die. She's describing this story and these ladies are, um, they're captivated. And, but they've been around scripture. They've been around Christian college, other things like that. So she turns to one of them and says, you you know this story, right? You've heard of Elijah before. And several of them said, we've never heard of Elijah. Um, this, this is a, this is really fascinating. How would we get to know more? And she said, well, let's, let's open our Bibles and we, we can read the story. And one of the ladies put her hand up and said, that's how you read scripture. But reading for me is just just deciphering a code because there I have to figure out that those letters in this order mean that thing over there and those letters in that order mean that thing over there. And I don't I never had that language when I was growing up. I need it in sign language. And so my wife started to look around and see where is there access to the story of Elijah in American Sign Language. And at the time it wasn't available. And in fact, it wasn't available. It's it's still only available out of those 375 sign languages. That story that some of the stories of Elijah are only available in like three or four sign languages globally right now. Wow. Um, and that was shocking to us. These were not people. The the issue of people not having access to scripture, the issue of not not knowing about Christ, often feels like a out there issue. But here it was for some of our neighbors who lived right down the street. And it wasn't just that they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have access to a Bible. There was not, there was nothing available that had been translated up to that point where um, that they could access it. I think one of the impactful stories for me was um, I met one of my deaf friends at a, um, uh, at a hearing church during the week one time when I was there to meet with a pastor. And I, I ran into him at this church and I said, oh, I, I didn't know um, you're connected to this church. And he said, yeah, I used to go here regularly and we had an interpreter here. And one time the pastor uh, challenged us and said, God's created every one of you with spiritual gifts and he desires you to serve them to edify the body. And so I was so excited. So after the sermon, I went over with the interpreter and I met the pastor and I said, I feel like I've got gifts. How could I serve this church? And we started to go down the list of different areas where people serve. And because of the language barrier, I couldn't 
greet people because people might ask me questions and then they couldn't understand my sign language. Um, I wasn't allowed to work in the nursery because people were scared that maybe I couldn't hear their babies crying. Um, I couldn't teach in Sunday school. Um, I definitely wasn't, because of the language barrier, wasn't going to be allowed to be a deacon or an elder. So we got to the end of the list and he suggested that I come regularly and clean the church. So that's the job that I do for this church. But I have all of these skills in teaching and leading, but I can't use them in an environment like this where I have all these language barriers and no one can understand me. Where is my place in the global church? Where where does God have me to serve? And I that that reminded me of something that another deaf person said to me once, um, signed to me, and they said, I don't want to be a ministry of the church. I want to be a minister of the church. I want to be someone that serves using the gifts that God's given us. And those experiences that we had really began to challenge our understanding of how deaf people the space that deaf people have and where they can minister and the access that they have to scripture. And God used that to slowly bring us into contact with Door International. And that was probably for us, maybe an eight or nine year process from first getting thrown into learning sign language to really saying, Lord, here we are. How can we serve this people group that you've placed right in front of us? Wow. Wow. And uh, I assume you're extremely proficient in sign language now. Can you so, demonstrate anything for us? <laughs> well, I could. I don't know if your uh, people listening on audio would uh, would, sure. would be able to hear hear I'll anything. Have, but I'll have I, to go to YouTube. And we'll watch. have to go to YouTube and watch. <laughs> that will be your. Um, so one of the one I can give an illustration that only the YouTube people are going to be able to see. So this is your cue to go over to YouTube. But as long as it's not 20 minutes long or something. It's not going to be 20 minutes. Okay. No, no, no. All right. But one of the things that, that, um, so I'll start in American sign language for a second. Um, one of the things that people don't realize is that sign language is not just what happens on the hands. Um, the, the actual signs are maybe about 50% of the information in the language. So to give you an example, um, I could sign, and you guys can copy me. If I want to sign, I work, this is the sign for I, and this is the sign for work. So you kind of mix this with your, and your the bottom of your oh. of your right wrist goes on top <laughs> of your, I'm assuming that you're both right-handed. So I'm left-handed. Oh, I'm right. Oh, if you're, whatever your dominant hand is, is going to go on top of the other okay. hand. So, okay. So this is I work. So you would sign I work. But if I, if you want to sign I work hard, you don't add a third sign. What you sign is, and that wow. the change, there's sort of I'm puffing my cheeks out and I'm changing how I'm signing the sign for work. That is the adverb. That is the I'm wow. working hard. It, you don't you don't add a third sign for it. If I want to sign, I work hard for a long time, what I would sign is, and you notice that there's a forward motion uh -huh. that's going on. That is the phrase for a long time. Wow. Wow. So when a deaf person's signing, 
there's actually so when when um, the way that the way that people have described this is that in music, when you get one note after another, it makes a beautiful melody, and the notes together create uh, create this the, the the melody that you can that you can hear and associate with things. That's a lot like spoken language. You have one word right after another, and those words together create meaning in a sentence. But in sign language, you have not just one thing happening at any one point, but you actually have about eight different things happening all at the same time. So where my eyes are pointed, um, whether I'm leaning forward or back, whether my eyebrows are up or down, um, whether you know what's happening with my cheek, all of that has meaning in the language. Sure. And because of that, it's a more in music like chords. So mm. if you were to hit seven notes or eight notes all at the same time, if you were to change one of those notes, it changes how the chord sounds. Mm -hmm. In the same way in sign language, I could be doing all the same things, but if my eyes are pointed a different direction or I'm doing something different with my cheeks, all of a sudden that that gives a totally different meaning. Sure. So if you um, have an interpreter who basically has a different dialect, if you will, than, than yourself, if you're a deaf person, how does that work out? So you can understand some of the things, but it seems like there would be an extra hurdle to so, grasp. So sign language across the U.S. is pretty standardized. Okay. So um, if if I'm a deaf person and I go to one event and they have an interpreter and then I go um, to a different part of the U.S. and they have an event, most of the interpreters, most of the sign language is going to be similar. There is accent. Mm-hmm. So when I moved here to Florida, I had a deaf person meet me. And one of the first things they said when I was signing with them is they said, did you learn sign language in the Indiana, Michigan area? And I, <laughs> I said, yeah. Wow. So you can, you, they, they can target based on certain signs that you have, sort of certain ways that you sign people, sure. people who are in, um, in the new England area sign really fast. Mm -hmm. um people who are in on the west coast sign a bit slower okay um, some of its pace some of its uh some of its some of those other things but if i were to go to a different country the signing is very very different mm -hmm. especially what's happening on the hands now what's interesting is that what's the the things that aren't what's happening on the hands are very similar so if instead so in american sign language if i sign god this is the sign for God. Okay. In Russian sign language, this is the sign for God. Mm. In uh, Chinese sign language, this is the sign for God. In German sign language, this is the sign for God. So for so anyone listening, they're all different. They're all different, yeah. but they're also all happening in this space up and up to, to my right. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're in another country and somebody signs something up here, you have a you have a clue as to what it means, even if you don't know what what the specific sign is. And so that that makes it easier when you know one sign language to start learning other sign languages. So I know American Sign Language, Kenyan Sign Language, and one of the sign languages in India fluently, and I have about six other sign languages that I can have a good conversation with a deaf person in their 
um, in their sign language. How but, difficult is that? Because it's one thing to learn a different language. You know, yeah. a lot of us have done that. But how difficult is that to learn a different language in sign language? So it's not as hard in part because that the part of the sign language that's not happening on the hands is actually very similar across most of the sign languages. So once you once you get that down, sure, you're basically changing out what what the signs are for the specific thing. So um, instead of just to get and sometimes there's some similarity because sometimes sign languages are trying to capture and picture what it is that someone's doing. So in American Sign Language, I would sign work like this. Mm-hmm. Again, if you can't see it, you can go over to the YouTube video. <laughs> um, in Ken- in Kenyan Sign Language, I would sign work like this. And in Indian Sign Language, I would sign it like this. Um, so they're similar. They're similar in where they're placed, other things like that, but the actual hand shapes are different. Now, what gets confusing is that one sign in one sign language can mean something else in another sign language. So this sign for work in, in Kenyan sign language actually means government mm-hmm. in Indian sign language. Or one of the classic ones that we tell people, this is the sign for full in American sign language means that you're done. I've eaten so much that the food's coming up my esophagus now. <laughs> in Kenyan sign language, this means dead. Oh, well, <laughs> pretty big difference. Yeah. In Chinese sign language, this means wait. So um, you can get a lot of variety. A lot of confusion. Yeah. um, Probably numbers are the the craziest thing. Um, So this is three in American sign language. So they sign one, two, three. Mm -hmm. But in Indian sign language, this means eight. (laughs) So if you have three kids... Yeah. And you want to introduce yourself and say, I have three kids. You got to be careful of which you sign be careful. you're talking about because <laughs> suddenly they think you have eight kids. So. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is is sign language exhaustive? I mean, what if you come up to a word like anthropomorphism? Okay. Like if that happens, do you is there is there a word for everything in sign language or do you just have to start spelling things out by letter? So um, in you can do that that might not convey a lot of meaning to someone. So in the same way that if, if somebody doesn't know what anthropomorphism means in English, yeah, then they're going to have trouble if you spell it out. So what you would do in that context, if you were using the word anthropomorphism and somebody doesn't know what it means, what you would do is you would, you would go around the word by describing what it means. You would circumlocute the word. So in the same way in sign language, if I don't, if if they don't have a sign for anthropomorphism, but you can talk about how, um, you know, character, you're taking characteristics of a person and applying them to something that's not a person, you can give that short explanation. And if that person would go, oh, yeah, that's, and they give you a sign for it, well, then you can... Um, you can use that as the sign for things. It's not unusual for some sign languages because they haven't encountered certain concepts mm-hmm. to not have signs for them. Um, and this comes up particularly in Bible translation uh, context. So we had one country in South Asia where we were first going in to figure out, are there believers in this country? Um, because they didn't have any scripture there. Mm-hmm. And we were able to find somewhere between 15 and 20 believers 
And even among the believers and non-believers, we asked a long list of words and we said, "What? what's your word for this? What's your word for this? Mm-hmm. We got to the concept of forgiveness mm. and they couldn't come up with a sign for it. The The best that they could come up with was something like sorry, mm. but forgiveness and being sorry for something are two total are they're very different things. Yep. And so the people who were there were trying to describe, they were saying, well, you know, if you owe somebody something, you know, you owe them a lot of money and then they excuse it. And so they, they forgive you that debt. And they said, well, that's never happened to us. You know, nobody ever does that. Mm-hmm. And we said, so what is your, concept of you know how if you've done bad things how are you how do you get rid of that and they said well in our country we believe in karma Mm. so all of the bad things that we've done will at some point come back and hit us again sure and even if it's not in this life it's in some life in the future and so that was a perfect launching off point for one of our leaders to describe the grace that god gives us through jesus christ that we get forgiveness that's not based on what we've done. In fact, we've done a lot of things that we deserve punishment. Mm-hmm. God takes that off of us and forgives us and cleanses us. And that was a radical concept for this group. They So they didn't have a sign for it. They didn't. And when that happens, and it does happen sometimes in these communities, what they have to do, the team, rather than just making up a sign, They'll think about the concept and then they'll talk with the leaders of the community and they'll describe the situation that this sign is trying to express and they'll together come up with a sign. And then that ends up getting incorporated into the sign language Bible translation that uh, that the community then uses. Wow. Wow. Can you share with us a condensed version of the gospel through sign? Is that Um, is that possible? It is. Yep. So when you ask a deaf person, um, so I'll give you a little bit of, if you want me to sign that, um, I definitely can. It's up. It's totally up to you. If you would yep. do that. <laughs> um, the thing, the thing, the, the thing that I would say, um, that's important. We often start with, like, if we were to share the gospel with someone, we would, we would do something like Romans road. We would talk about, you know, everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And then Christ came so that he uh, could pay for those sins. Mm -hmm. But if you imagine a deaf child growing up, even in a Christian family, but not having access to any language that's happening around them, all of the background information that we sort of take for granted is missing for deaf people, even here in the U.S. So the concept of sin, even the concept of there's a God and he created everything that's around us is for many deaf people, a radical concept. It's not something that, so you can't, when, when our deaf leaders, when they share the gospel, they won't start someplace like the new Testament. Mm-hmm. They actually have to back up all the way to the beginning of scripture. Now they don't sit there and sign all of the old Testament all the way to get to, to, to get to Christ, but they'll pick selected stories that are critical for people to understand what God was doing throughout history and then use that as a lead in to say, and that's why God had to send his only son to, uh, to pay for the price that, 
that we couldn't pay. So mm-hmm. I can, so I can give you the, I can give you that. It's probably maybe a, I'll give you the two or three minute version. If okay. a deaf person were signing it, they would give you like the 20 minute version. Sure. So sure. The two or three that. minute would be sufficient for here. There you go. That's wow. The, that's Beautiful. It's interesting how the faces involve so much. It's not just like you said, it's not just the hands. It's, it, it's everything. Right. And if it was, um, if it was, if this was a, if it was a deaf person presenting, you would see even more of that. Um, deaf people, if, if you clip that portion and just showed it to a deaf person, they would know I'm a hearing person. So mm-hmm. they can tell if a hearing person is signing. They can tell in the, kind of in the same way that if you were listening to a non-native English speaker, sure, you could probably pick out that they're not a native English speaker, even if, even if it's just light. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, um, people can do the same thing for, for hearing people. Yep. Wow. Wow. So interesting. The website is doorinternational.org. What can people do as far as if they're interested today, they've never heard anything about this before. If they want to either, of course, look up the website, we'll put that in the show notes. How can people get involved? What can people do? Are there are there various needs that people can can assist you assist you with? Yeah. So the unusual one for us is awareness. So many people listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, this may be your first time ever hearing that deaf people are unreached and understanding why deaf people are unreached. Um, And so the first thing that we ask people to do is share this information with other people, share the podcast, share the website, um, because we need to get the word out to the global church that this is a need within, within the global community. Now, there are ways that we come alongside deaf communities so that they can serve their own communities. We don't just take over the work. But the biggest thing is that we just, and when I say we, I mean me too, as a hearing person, I was totally unaware that this was that this was a need among among uh, deaf communities. So awareness is, is for us one of our top needs. Second one is prayer. Um, we're working in communities right now that have gone thousands of years without the gospel. And um, we have, for instance, there's one country that we're going to be going into soon that we estimate there's around somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million believers. Sorry, there's 1.5 to 2 million deaf people. Mm. And the number of believers is around 20. Oh, Um, my gosh. Wow. So you're talking not just like 1% Christian, you're talking about 0.01 or 0.001% Christian. There's the believers are very new. There's a lot of hindrances to the gospel and that, that represents spiritual strongholds that the enemy has had for a long time. And those really only come down through prayer. God's God does so much um, in these communities. And we, you know, we know from John 15 that unless we abide in him and unless God's really in the work, there's nothing of eternal value that we can do. And so prayer is a huge, huge piece for us that, and we have a, um, we have, we have a, a, a prayer newsletter that people can subscribe to. And then once a month uh, we'll send out an update and it gives daily things that people can pray for in, uh, in some of these communities. Um, third is uh, if people want to come alongside our organization to sponsor deaf leaders out in the field or to sponsor a Bible translation in a sign language that's happening, there's information about that on our website as well. Um, if you pull up the website, you'll find a, a, a give button and there's more information about the kinds of projects that we have out there. We would love to see um, people come alongside us in that and also get updates about what's happening in the field. Um, 
We also often get questions about how do I start a deaf ministry in my church or what do we do to get involved in deaf ministry? And so we've created a, a white paper on what are some best practices when you're wanting to get involved in deaf ministry? What are some myths that some misunderstandings people have about deaf people that will really impact how you serve deaf people well or don't serve them well? That's also available on our website. So there's a there's a resources tab and you'll find that under there. But there's some great information on our website that allows you to even take some next steps. And um, if one of those next steps is an interest in learning sign language, we have some recommendations on the website as to uh, some some good curricula that are out there, some, some good places you can go. There's even a few apps that are out there that are very inexpensive, but are similar to something like Duolingo. Um, but for sign languages. That's so. great. That's great. You have a question? Yes, I'm uh, popping back in <laughs> with a question. Um, what does a translation look like? Is it illustrations of these signs? That's also a great question. So um, a translation is actually going to be a video. And uh, so in the same way that if you if I were to be signing here, and then you would be capturing that on video, you would do the same thing uh, in, in a sign language context. So sign languages can't really be written down. Um, so they're only able to be captured in video. And that explains a little bit of why, if you go back about 40, 50 years, there wasn't any sign language Bible translation prior to that, because all we had were VHS players and other things like that. The technology was really limited. But now the technology has improved this is really the time for deaf people. And so deaf people can now with video, uh, video scripture on YouTube, um, video scripture on our website through partner organizations that we have, deaf people can access it from anywhere. And we even have um, technologies that are available where a deaf person can walk into a village with no data, um, no, no Wi-Fi signal anywhere, and they can create a local Wi-Fi network that they can set in the middle of the village. And it can then push out scripture, video scripture to any deaf person on their phone uh, in the village without having to, to pay for or use any, any of their data. So wow, some of the technology that's out there that's amazing, God's using to redeem and um, restore people to himself. So that's that is so great. That is so great. Did you have any end question or anything else? I think that was it. Just that makes a lot of sense too with what you were showing us with like works for a long time that you have to continue that sign. It would be very hard to break that down into illustrations. Um, yeah, just thank you so much for your time. And this is definitely something that I was not aware of at all before this. So yeah, so doorinternational.org. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk to us. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Love of Life podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. It is our duty through our schools to create a new one, a God-centered one. We are told in Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death.